Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I'm Janice Dean. I'm David Asman. I'm Dana Perino. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, June 16th, 2023. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. It was a busy week. China is probably trying to spy on us from Cuba. A former Marine is indicted over the chokehold death of a homeless man on a New York subway. And a former president who's running again pleads not guilty to federal charges. He can be somebody that has been targeted politically. That could be the case, but he could also have done things that, you know, allegedly violated the law. We speak with Fox News Sunday host Shannon Breen. I'm Chris Foster. President Biden claims progress getting rid of so-called junk fees. That's the argument from the White House is you need to have more transparency uh, for consumers going forward and then they can make educated choices as to how much money they want to spend, where they want to go, where they want to stay, what concerts they want to see. And I'm Tom Shalhoub. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. It was a legal week full of indictments and allegations. A grand jury in New York charged Marine veteran Daniel Penny with second-degree manslaughter over the chokehold that killed mentally ill homeless man Jordan Neely. Ahead of the indictment, Penny's attorney, Tom Keniff, told Fox News. You don't have to wait until someone uh, physically attacks. You don't have to wait until somebody's lying on the ground or worse. Uh, The standard is whether a reasonable person in my client's position would have feared imminent harm. Last week, House Oversight Committee members saw an FBI document revealing a confidential source's report. It said this source had talked to a Ukrainian executive on multiple occasions, and this executive alleged an effort to bribe then-Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter. When asked about this, the president jokingly asked, then where's the money, before dismissing it all as malarkey. But Iowa Republican Senator Chuck Grassley said from the Senate floor this week that Ukrainian executive has 17 audio recordings with the Bidens. These recordings were allegedly kept as a sort of insurance policy for the foreign national in case that he got into a tight spot. Also this week, ahead of Secretary of State Blinken's trip to Beijing, it was confirmed that the Wall Street Journal's report that China's trying to spy on us from Cuba is not wrong in the way the White House and Pentagon had said it was. Blinken confirmed that actually China's trying to expand bases and logistics all over the world, including in Cuba, and that effort began in 2019. White House National Security Council coordinator John Kirby clarified. Sometimes there's information that is is uh, is so classified and so secret Um, that there's a real limit. In fact, there's a real danger to somebody like me trying to provide you a steer before you report. Um, And that was the case here. Biggest headline of the week was arguably the indictment of former President Trump, charged with 37 felony counts for withholding classified documents inside his Mar-a-Lago estate after leaving office. He pleaded not guilty Tuesday inside a federal courthouse in Miami. You'll know that they didn't charge him in connection with items that he turned over voluntarily. Shannon Bream is the host of Fox News Sunday. This is about the items that he still had that they found after the fact when, you know, one of his attorneys had signed, you know, certification essentially that they had searched and turned everything over. So this is going to be, I think, more motivated by the idea of obstruction, that kind of thing. I mean, those those are part of the charges, but critics and allies of his alike will say, 
you know, he can be somebody that has been targeted politically. That could be the case, but he could also have done things that, you know, allegedly violated the law. And if he took these actions, he gave them something to work with. So, um, listen, grand jury is one-sided. He's innocent uh, and less proven guilty. And that is the position he's taking for now. And as unprecedented as the indictment of a former president is, the other side of this unprecedentedness is that he's running again. And all of these 2024 GOP candidates have to navigate this. They have to react. Mm -hmm. They have to say how they feel and um, what they would do. We know Vivek Ramaswamy has said, you know, if he's president, he would pardon the former president should he be convicted. How do we expect these candidates to navigate this? Yeah, and he's put together this pledge that he says everybody else who's running in the GOP field should sign the same pledge to pardon the former president if they're elected, and if not, to explain why not. So it's a very interesting move because then it raises all kinds of questions about why Vivek is being so full-throated in his defense of President Trump. He and others who are defending him, many of them also acknowledge, hey, if these things are true, these are not the best actions for the former president to take. But again, they would most almost all of them run to his defense and say this is a political persecution, mm. prosecution by the, quote, deep state, by the, quote, Biden administration. And so it forces them to, you know, to run to his defense at a time when he continues to pull away and has giant poll numbers and fundraising numbers. So they've all got to figure out why they will stand up and say this is wrong. I don't want to de- also, I don't want to alienate the pro-Trump voters out there who might be persuaded at some point to vote for me if they had to pick another option, right. while also making the same argument, I'm a better option for you to pick right now. Right. Let's talk about Congress for a minute. Uh, we've seen House oversight. They, they've said that they've all viewed this FBI document, right, from this whistleblower. Um, an FBI informant considered credible said an executive at an energy company in Ukraine reported there was some effort to pay Joe and Hunter Biden $5 million each. This was part of some effort to get access to U.S. oil rights. That was last week, right? And then this week, Senator Chuck Grassley said on the floor of the Senate, hey, you know what was redacted from this form that House Oversight Committee members saw? Um, This Ukrainian executive says he has 17 audio recordings of conversations with Joe and Hunter Biden, and he kept them as an insurance policy. There is a lot to that. Right. And we don't mm-hmm. know where all of this is going, um, but how it doesn't sound like Republicans are are letting up on this, even as um, some of the Democrats who've seen this form say this is this is a nothing burger. And the president himself has said, well, then where's where's this money I supposedly got? Um, where does this go from now if, if you've got somebody like Senator Grassley mm-hmm. uh, making these claims? Yeah, I would say, listen, this is somebody who's very well respected here in Washington, not seen as a showboating, flamethrowing kind of guy. I mean, he's got decades and decades of experience on the Hill in which he's very much viewed as somebody who's a pretty straight shooter. So people are raising, you know, questions over, all right, if Chuck Grassley is saying there's something to this, could there be more to it? On the other hand, you have other folks out there like Senator Ron Johnson, another prominent Republican who's been very critical of this administration, seeming to sort of pump the brakes or express a little bit of caution, at least a much more muted response to this claim about the tapes. 
Um, also, James Comer, I mean, the House Oversight Chair, who has been pressing very hard on all kinds of investigations invo- involving the Biden family, his response seems rather subdued also. So then it makes you question, uh, where are we going with this thing? Um, Senator Grassley says he saw the unredacted. And his his question was, and you hear Senator Blackburn out there saying, why was the redacted part by the FBI the information about these claims about these tapes? Why wouldn't they want us to know about that? Mm. Um, so, gosh, there's so much that we don't know yeah. whether those tapes exist or whether we'd ever see them if they'd ever see the light of day. Just a huge guessing game here in Washington and beyond. So, Shannon, also this week, we learned more about China's efforts to establish bases and logistics in countries all over the world, according to Secretary of State Blinken, and that includes in Cuba. So it turns out that Wall Street Journal report that was initially denied by the administration about China trying to spy on us from Cuba ended up being true, albeit it had been in the works for years. It wasn't like new news. But it it comes as Secretary Blinken is now uh, going to Beijing after canceling his planned trip after the spy balloon incident. What are you looking to hear and see from Blinken after this trip? Well, there's been some managing of expectations as if don't expect him to go there and to solve everything. And President Xi and President Biden are going to be back besties, you know, on speaking terms and chatting all the time. It seems like they're managing expectations about exactly what will be accomplished by this. You've heard a lot of leaders out there. You know, the defense secretary, um, Lloyd Austin, out there saying it's very important that we have open communication because that avoids things that are mistakes that could escalate beyond what anybody ever intended. You know, the jets um, buzzing our reconnaissance plane, um, the back and forth with the warships in the Taiwan area. And so... um, It's being touted as somewhat of, all right, let's get the communication open again. But others are saying, um, based on everything that China's done, why don't they come to us? Why are they not sending their top leaders to come see us? They wouldn't see Defense Secretary Austin when he was at Singapore, when he was in, um, you know, that Security Council meeting, um, that gathering there. The Chinese counterparts wouldn't even see him there. So, you know, the hardliners here in Washington say we shouldn't be, quote, groveling to them. But others say, and just about everybody agrees, we need to have open communication. And it seems like that's just sort of the gist of what Secretary Blinken's going to be doing. Yeah. And again, with your legal hat on, let's bring it back home again. The indictment of Daniel Penny happened this week as well. Um, Grand jury indicted him out of New York for second degree manslaughter. Um, That, of course, involves the death of Jordan Neely on the um, on the subway. I was speaking to a former law enforcement officer about this case, and he said, you know, the outcome here, he really thinks it will depend on the kind of jury that Mm -hmm. Daniel Penny would would get. And I know that sounds very cliche, right? We hear that a lot. Well, it really depends on the jury. Um, And that's true, right? But this case has a lot of emotional and and complicated aspects to Mm -hmm. it. And I I wonder, as as an attorney, as somebody who studies the law, um, how, how crucial is that, that point? Yeah, when you go through the voir dire, the questioning of potential jurors, um, that's going to be just so critical in this case, as it is in every case when you've um, got a client that you are representing or you're prosecuting somebody, you want to know where these jurors are. And listen, these folks live and work in New York, so they know what it's like to be on the subway or on the streets and yeah. to feel um, you know, some measure of less than safe. Um, if you have a few jurors who have had that experience and feel that way about traveling around the city and living and working there, they're going to bring their own personal, you know, thoughts and experiences into that. If they've ever felt threatened in that situation, um, they're going to get that. But 
also, you know, there's a lot of consternation about whether, um, you know, there was proper treatment given in this case, proper options given. I will also say mm. when we hear more from Daniel Penny, he gives us when he's out there speaking a little bit more factual base for what was going on. So um, it's doubtful that that the grand jury heard from him. Um, and so a, a trial jury will. And I think that um, he will flesh things out and give us more about what was actually said and done what were the feelings that people were actually experiencing we'll hear from other witnesses hopefully who were there what was their position because you got to think about the standard being a reasonable person in this situation would have felt threatened and so do you get there with daniel penny's testimony and that of other witnesses mm -hmm. we'll see a trial is much different than a grand jury and shannon uh this morning, we might have some major Supreme Court decisions. We're used to them being on Monday and Thursday, but we could have some today. And there are still some pretty, you know, important, outstanding cases. Um, yes. Affirmative action, student mm -hmm. loans, the, the 303 creative case involving free speech. Um, what do you <laughs> what do you hope we hear from, Gosh, from today? You know, everything is coming down to the wire. And there is such a concentration of um, case law and opinions here that will impact higher education. Because you mentioned you got the affirmative action case. That's Harvard Private School, UNC Public School. Can they use race? How can they use race? If they can, in admissions policies, you've got groups of Asian-American applicants who said, you know, these are people who were with almost perfect SAT scores who could not get into some of these colleges who say, um, my race is actually being used against me because of the preference for other racial groups and mm. applicants. So we'll see about that. And the student loan debt forgiveness plan by the Biden administration. Um, will the court say he that executive power from the executive branch went too far? Um, both of those will have a huge impact. Um, the free speech case you mentioned to the web designer out of Colorado who says the state law prevents her from her free speech rights by telling her um, as an artist who she can and cannot create websites for, who she must create websites for. In this case, it's an issue of marriage. Her personal belief is that marriage is made in a woman. That's a religious belief of hers. And she doesn't want to be forced to endorse speech that she doesn't personally endorse. So we've got those. Um, and, you know, we're just standing by to see where the court comes down on these big decisions uh, and some others. Shannon Bream, host of Fox News Sunday. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jessica. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. This is Tom Shalhoub with your Fox News commentary. Coming up. President Biden's been pushing for an end to what are called junk fees, tacked on by companies at the end of the buying process. Processing fees, cleaning fees, baggage fees, seat choice fees, making it harder to shop for the best deal. This is real transparency, which leads to more competition, brings down costs for working Americans, keeps growing our economy from the middle out and the bottom up, not the top down. President at the White House with corporate executives from Live Nation and Airbnb, for example, agreeing to more all-in pricing. 
where you at least know what you're getting into up front. It is not about you know, lowering these fees. Now, in some cases, the president is touting the Consumer uh, Federal uh, Protection Bureau has started uh, a rulemaking process to lower credit card late fees. Edward Lawrence covers the economy and politics from the White House for Fox Business. It takes a very long time to get those rules set in stone. Uh, at the moment, that rule is still in the process, but you know this is about transparency. Yeah, uh, like you mentioned the cleaning fees for rental properties. Now, like it's. It's just inconvenient and annoying. You comparison shop, you go to check out, you put in all your information, and then at the end, bam, here's a hundred bucks where you you might not have gone that far in the process if you'd known up front. Exactly. And, and your hotels, a prime example, I've had it's happened to me where you go to the hotel, you think, oh, I got a great rate. And then all of a sudden they say, oh, that's, there's a $50 resort fee. I'm like, why? Well, I, I didn't use the resort. I used it to sleep in. <laughs> I didn't go to the gym. I didn't go to the pool. You know, I had some meetings to go to, uh, but they hit you with the resort fee uh, of $50 a night. So, yeah, and it's, it's something that needs to be addressed. Uh, we talked earlier with uh, Ted Rossman from Bankrate.com, uh, and, and he basically said more transparency could provide a better experience and could change some minds, as you said, when people shop around. Uh, but it doesn't save a lot of people money in the long run. And he believes that that's something that has to be addressed is how you maybe get at some of these fees uh, and put pressure on the companies to not surprise folks at the end, but maybe even reduce some of the fees somehow in the future, getting those fees down. Because, you know, that's what people are dealing with inflation, uh, you know, and it's, it's seen in all of it. And fees have become inflated, too. Yeah. And also, like if if the fees are up front, that might just from their standpoint, they might have to be driven down because customers will be turned off. Now, if you're seeing that this this bag fee, this cleaning fee, et cetera, this resort fee, if you're seeing it up front, eh, I'm just going to move on. Um, so maybe it will drive down fees. Exactly. I mean, and it might reveal the better choice. Yeah, right. You know, there might be a, another hotel that's a little bit more expensive or another Airbnb that's a little bit more expensive, but they don't have the cleaning fees or the other fees on the other side of that. So therefore, at the end of the day, you're spending less on the more expensive room rate than right. you are on the less expensive room rate with the fees added. And that's one of the tricks that companies use, too. Yeah, there's also a little bit of a tricky online shopping aspect to this where you put in your parameters. Okay, I'm willing to spend up to whatever x on this product um if if the if the fees were all up front then that x you'd get more search hits if the uh if the if it's just based on the base price if you if you get my drift and that's Right. And, and, that, and that's the argument from the White House is you need to have more transparency uh, for consumers going forward. And then they can make educated choices as to how much money they want to spend, where they want to go, where they want to stay, what concerts they want to see and those kind of things. And then, you know, m- maybe from a from a consumer advocate group standpoint, maybe that puts pressure on those companies to lower fees and match other rates. Yeah. It's the kind of thing where the companies agree to self-regulate rather than maybe risk some more onerous regulations down the road. Yeah, but but the hard question to ask here is is how do you regulate this? How do you determine that a cleaning fee is this cost? How do you determine what the cost of a service fee on a ticket for a concert is? Um, you know, th- that's the hard part to regulate, and I think companies know that. Um, so the only way that the president is seeing to put pressure, to put transparency, you bring it to light, possibly those fees could eventually come down. Yeah. Um, you mentioned in the future, possibly banking credit card, bounce check fees, late fees being knocked yes. down. Of, co- of course, those hit lower income American hard. It's sort of a double whammy. They're more likely to you know, commit those sins, and they're also the least able to afford the fees. Uh, and, but those have been real yeah. money makers for, um, for banks. 
for basically, and banks haven't had a problem making money, though, I can tell you that. Uh, but the uh, yeah, the, from the administration, they want to uh, cut credit card fees. The, the White House is saying that the new rule, if it goes into effect, would cut fees by 75%. So from $30 to $8, um, saving Americans up to $9 billion per year. Uh, you know, again, it takes a very long time. There's a, there's a uh, public comment process that has to go through and a number of different steps for this rule. So we're not looking at this rule being into effect immediately. But yes, that is a huge revenue generator for um, uh, credit card companies. Uh, but, you know, the, the Ted Rossman told us from Bankrate.com again that, you know, it's like whack-a-mole. So you lower the fee in one area, but then the fee in another area all of a sudden pops up. Yeah. So, you know, they're going after these late fees on credit cards. Well, you might then see a yearly fee come up on credit cards or the foreign transaction fee for credit cards go up or other fees that are associated with credit cards going up because this one's going down. So those companies make up the lost revenue. Yeah, I mean, right, exactly. They're going to they're gonna shoot for the same revenue targets they always had. It's just, I guess, the White House could make the case, well, at least those other fees aren't going to hit um, lower-income people disproportionately harder. Um, here's another one. You know, well, wait, yeah, go ahead. When you're talking about credit yeah. cards, though, when you're talking about credit cards, I mean, the fees that hit the lowest uh, income levels are those interest rate fees. I mean, those are 20-plus now because of what the Federal Reserve is doing trying to fight inflation. Um, you know, and there's been many economists to say if the White House or the president just focused on getting inflation down sooner, faster than those credit card fees or the fee that people pay to credit cards because they have a balance on their credit card would then go down and that would really save money yeah. for those folks in low-income areas. But as it stands right now, you're looking at credit card fees of 20 plus, you know, 30 percent, 20 to 30 percent for most Americans. And I can tell you that the Federal Reserve has, research has shown that Americans are now racking up a record number, a record amount of debt, more than a trillion dollars in credit card debt now uh, being held by Americans. Uh, and part of that is because they can't afford their lifestyle. So they're starting to spend on their credit card and that credit card balance is starting to go up because inflation is paying a heavy toll uh, on their finances. Yeah, we've had a couple of inflation readings this week, consumer prices, wholesale prices, um, uh, and then, of course, the decision to pause interest rate hikes, at least for yeah. this round. Where are we with inflation? The White House is going to say, yay, 11 straight months of easing. Republicans are going right. to say, well, OK, it's been a lot longer than that of inflation outpacing wage gains. How are we doing? Well, both those things are true. Exactly Right. And since President Biden has been in office, um, real wages, that is wages when you factor in inflation, are down 3.1 percent. Yet the cost of living is up. So what you have is inflation was 1.4 percent when President Biden took office. It's now 4 percent, but it went up to eight, you know, 9 percent is where it peaked, 9.1 uh, last June. So you're talking about the inflation now of 4% on top of all of that other inflated prices that we saw for the past 28 months. So this is a lot of heartache that Americans are seeing. I mean, you know, go to McDonald's, go to any fast food restaurant, you were paying $12, now you're paying almost $20 uh, for the same meal. Um, and, and this is what Americans are, are feeling at the grocery store, at the gas station, um, across the board. And, and that's something they have to deal with. And the CPI inflation, it, the number did come down. Overall inflation came down to 4%. But you look at core inflation, and this is what the Federal Reserve Chairman said uh, in his uh, news conference um, after the decision to hold on interest rates. 
rates, the Federal Reserve chairman came out and said that they're looking at core that's not, it's basically moving sideways. And core inflation is without food and energy prices. Those are volatile. And it's much more difficult to get rid of. It's sticky because it's that inflation that comes from hiring workers, partly. So you have increased salaries because they couldn't find, businesses couldn't find workers to pay for those increased salaries. Companies then turn around and make their products more expensive. And that's the inflation that's really hard to get rid of. That's the inflation we're starting to see and where the Federal Reserve is concerned about. Yeah. Um, other than the hiring costs and wages, uh, what, what sectors have been stubbornly sticky? What is it? Is it cars? Is it food? Is it is it housing? And, and what's actually maybe getting cheaper? Right. And, and used cars are coming back down. That was a big part of the, the issue. Um, used cars, new cars, those costs are starting to come back down. And, and it's, it's not because the cost of the stuff to make the cars is less. It's because people stopped buying. Um, the, the amount and the choices people are making because of inflation is starting to factor into some of this. So cars are coming down because people don't have that amount of money to put into a car where they're choosing to, hey, I'm going to pay my credit card debt. I'm going to pay my electric bill. Um, you're seeing rent prices. This is what rent and housing costs are very high. And this is what the Federal Reserve Chairman is very concerned about. Uh, I think it was something like 8%. I don't have the number right in front of me. Uh, was the inflated rate on rent. And that's not coming down. And rent is, is something where you sign a lease today, you may have that same rate for the next two years. So it takes a long time for that rent cycle to come back down. And a lot of Americans are renting, as you know, because the cost of housing has gone through the roof. Yeah. Uh, one more on the junk fees uh, initiative. Uh, here's one that a lot of people might like. Um, again, it's part of a lot of companies' business plan now. These recurring subscriptions and people forgetting or being too lazy to cancel. Uh, it's just part of the business plan for some companies. Um, now, yes. the FTC is going to propose a rule. It's called click to cancel, where it's just yep. as easy to cancel as to sign up. For example, if you don't have to call customer service to subscribe, you don't have to call customer service to cancel. And that's that's that will be a convenience for a lot of Americans. Right. If you're going to make it very easy to sign up, you have to make it easy to also cancel. And, you know, maybe companies will get wise to the, to the idea or, or realize that they could get more subscribers if they just offer that end deal up front. But at this point, it's, it's the FTC coming in saying, hey, you know, you, you, this, you can't play by two sets of rules here. You know, you've got to, if you're, if you, if you're clicking to, to sign on, you're clicking to cancel because we all know how hard it is to get a representative on the phone. Yeah. Uh, Edward Lawrence covers uh, the economy politics from the White House for Fox Business. Edward, thank you for coming on the Fox News Rundown again. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. And now, some good news with Tanya J. Powers. An Arizona man who underwent a double lung transplant says he's looking forward to spending Father's Day with his kids and his own dad. Aaron Carroll, who is 40, has been fighting cystic fibrosis since he was an infant. And six years ago, he was the recipient of two lungs in a complex surgery in Phoenix. Now, he says it gives him a new perspective when it comes to spending time with those he loves. I got a transplant because I was not done spending time with my family. His doctor, Rajat Walia, says at the time, Aaron's condition was worsening. His disease had already progressed to the point that Besides lung transplantation, there were not too many options left for him. Uh, he has done remarkably well. Cystic fibrosis is a chronic genetic condition that affects different parts of the body and can lead to respiratory failure. I was a complete prisoner to my, my home, to my body. 
uh, uh, you know, I was just talking, you know, about the first time I was off oxygen and disconnected from machines <laughs> was such a huge moment in my life. Um, uh, because before then, my whole life was being corded and, and chained to something. Aaron says this weekend is always special to him, and not just because he and his wife, Tessia, are celebrating their wedding anniversary. I feel like fatherhood and Father's Day to me, it's not really about me. It's about my kids. I want to go over and spend time with my dad, spend time with my kids, and let them know that I love them. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Tom Shalhoub. What's on your mind? With Father's Day coming up, I decided to pose this question. Louise, what are, what are the most uh, annoying dad jokes I tell? Do um, I have, like, repeating jokes? I see food, I eat it. Uh, ah, that's a good one. <laughs> and 2.30. Oh, and what? And what is it? That's a good one. Let it go. When he did oh, yeah, one. the let it go is also one of them. There's, like, the three that you say the most. Okay, so that's my wife and daughter discussing my favorite dad jokes. I'm on a seafood diet. I see food. I eat it. I say that one a lot, not just when we're having seafood. And then whenever anyone mentions the time 2.30, I say, oh, you have a dentist appointment? And they say, no, why? And I say, you said tooth hurdy. And then the third one isn't really a joke. I just burst into the song, let it go every once in a while. You know, like if my kids complain about their homework, I say, well, it looks like you might have to let it go. So those are my three. And my kids don't appreciate them, and they think they're kind of dorky, and it embarrasses them. But a recent study by the British Psychological Society, that's pretty legitimate, says that dad jokes actually have a positive effect on kids' development. Because when dad tells them embarrassing jokes, they might find them dorky and embarrassing, But by continually telling children jokes that are so bad that they're embarrassing, fathers push their children's limits on how much embarrassment they can take. And dealing with embarrassment is part of growing up. That can be very useful in their future. So here's to all you dads and your lame dad jokes. They're doing great work. Have a great Father's Day. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. I've been saving the world for a while now on this podcast, and I'm ready to take it to the next level starting on June 26th. You can listen to me, Kennedy, five days a week right here. Listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.